Hey, Value Builders, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Great to be with you again today. We're going to talk networks today, and networks are the organizing system of the future. They are the foundation for social and commercial collaboration and route to creating meaningful change. On the social side of networks, there's an emerging concept called impact networks that is opening new ways to bring people and organizations together. One person who is leading the development of the impact networks concept is David Erlichman. David is the author of a new book called Impact Networks, and he joins me for this episode of Value Builders. David helps us understand the idea behind impact networks and explains how they work and why they are the new frontier for overcoming today's biggest social and environmental challenges. Please welcome David Ehrlichman, author of Impact Networks, to this episode of Value Builders. Let's get into it. David, it's great to see you. Thanks for sitting down with me for an episode of the podcast today. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me. So you wrote a book, Impact Networks, and I read it and I decided that I had to reach out and invite you on to have a conversation. So congratulations on the book, and we're going to break it down uh, just to introduce it to our audience. Um, and it, it's the synergies are tremendous to, with what we're building at MetaCX, thinking about how networks can empower you know, business ecosystems in new ways. So um, but before we do that, talk to me a little bit about your background and, and what you're working on today in addition to the book. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think my journey to this book starts about 15 years ago. I was working with a nonprofit organization and I knew I wanted to work for a purpose and for an impact and uh, organization doing incredible work. They still exist today. They, they help men and women without shelter to get trained in and find jobs in the culinary industry, the food industry, uh, really changing lives at the individual level. But I started to see that it was working within this massive broken system uh, and it was addressing the symptoms, which was absolutely critical. Uh, and, and affecting individual people's lives. But I got started to get curious about how we could work at a systemic level and try to address some of the root causes that uh, were behind these big complex issues. So that led me into an exploration of, of how that might be possible to work systemically, to work across organizations and you know, started to uh, move into other jobs, started to learn about organizations that were scaling their impact, not by scaling up, not by building a bigger and bigger organization, but by scaling out through mm. connections, through collaboration with others. Uh, and I started also to learn about more formal networks that were actually staffed like REAMP, 140 organizations working in across nine Midwestern states to reduce carbon emissions by 80% by the year 2050, having tremendous success, shutting down over 150 coal plants, stopping any new coal plants from being wow. built, you know, passing energy efficiency policies and so forth. And so that was kind of the light bulb moment for me. And I was like, this is really where I want to focus, work across organizations at a systemic level. And so that led me to Fresno, California, where I was a network coordinator for a group of 48 organizations working to revitalize their city. And then uh, the Santa Cruz Mountains region, uh, a network of 24 organizations to steward half a million acre landscape, um, New York City, and then kind of all over in, in the process founded uh, Converge, and Converge is a network of people who support impact networks, who help bring multiple people and communities and organizations together to address big complex issues they can't do on their own. And as uh, the past eight years since Converge was founded in 2013, we've been really lucky to work with over 50 different impact networks and started to see that you know they're really different in terms of their focus, 
and who's involved and their scope, but actually really similar in terms of how they begin and the type of leadership that's required and the steps they go through to form and to support connection and learning and action. And so really wanted to kind of synthesize those lessons and then also bring in uh, the lessons and the insights from over 40 different network leaders that I interviewed as part of this and as well as resources from, from other fields like uh, systems thinking and community building and, uh, and network science uh, and package it all up in this, in this book to really share it with the world and, and help spread this way of, of working. So that brings me here to today. That's how we got here. That's, that's fantastic. Thanks for the, the review. And you kind of teed up why you wrote the book, but let's start to break down some of the concepts. For, for those that are not familiar, familiar with impact networks, what, what is an impact net, network? Well, let's start with what is a network. Uh, at its yeah. most basic, a network is a web of relationships connecting people or things. Mm -hmm. So there are networks all around us. Uh, we're often not even aware of them, but uh, they're everywhere you look. There are networks of neurons inside our brains. There are technological networks like the network of routers and cables that make up the physical infrastructure of the internet. When you walk in a forest, there are fungal networks, mycelial networks beneath your feet that connect different trees and plants together to share nutrients and minerals and resources between them. Of course, we're all aware of social networks, the networks of people we come in contact with, whether that's in person, whether that's online. Uh, social networks often form organically as we become connected with different people. Uh, but what many people don't realize is that networks can be deliberately organized to do so much more. Uh, when networks bring individuals and organizations together for learning and collaborative action for a shared purpose, that's how we define impact networks. So that shared purpose is a really important part of it. Bringing people together on behalf of some common issue and strengthening the connections, their ability to communicate with one another, and then their ability to work and collaborate with one another on behalf of that shared purpose. Very good. As you as you talk through kind of the, the idea, the the definition of a network, it really is the human experience, isn't it? It everything comes back to a network in, yeah. in, in one way or another. It's it feels true. like uh, there. We've always formed networks, right? We've yeah. we've always worked in community with others to solve challenges that we can't solve on our own. And and so in many ways, I'm talking about a return to the ways that we've naturally connected with one another, that humans have naturally connected with one another for as long as we've been around in right. community, in relationship. And I'm calling really for an unlearning of the top-down command and control model that's been impose on so much of the world. Uh, we're bringing in lessons from social movements, community building, indigenous wisdom, generations of people who have worked in these ways for thousands of years. This is not something new, but the, the hierarchical model of organizing has been so dominant that uh, it's, it's not always the right approach. Uh, hierarchies can be really good at doing certain things. They, mm -hmm. they exist for a reason. They're really good at at producing goods and services, at you know, tackling issues where there's you know, a known beginning and end. But for these big, wicked, complex problems that, that go beyond the boundaries of, of the single organization and where there's not a clear beginning or end, we have to learn our way into the future. We have to bring different perspectives from across the system together to even understand what's going on and how we might address it. 
there's never going to be a single hierarchy that can manage all that complexity and that can right. define the path forward, right? We have right. to work in these more emergent ways and that requires increasing connection, learning and, and collaboration across the system so that we can move together forward into the future. Well said. And I think it's it's an interesting dynamic because for, for all the hierarchies that can exist in, a, in an organization or in a business, what we also know is that those businesses actually don't thrive unless they tap into the power of their ecosystem, which I think to your point is is really the, the idea of the network. Um, so we need them and we actually can't function very well without them, right? And even within individual organizations, including hierarchical organizations, there are always organic and informal networks that connect right. people, departments together, right? People are yeah. always, they're connecting and they're sharing information in ways that look a lot different than the org chart. Uh, there's research from this book called The Hidden Power of Social Networks. Uh, they find that these internal networks are intricately intertwined with an organization's performance, the way it develops and ex executes strategy and its ability to innovate. And uh, so well-managed network connectivity is critical internally for organizations as well, performance, learning, and innovation. Uh, but then it's also absolutely essential for working across the boundaries of a given organization where, where multiple groups or organizations are coming together as equals or as peers to try to do something together that they can't do alone. If you were to break it down just a little bit more to, to some of the points that you, you've just made, but why are impact networks uh, necessary? Is it is it because it's it really is the the best way to achieve a, a goal that's been set, uh, kind of this this purpose that's been uh, kind of set out to to achieve or accomplish? Well, we know we have to work together in unprecedented ways and at unprecedented scales to address this world of complexity that we're in. Mm -hmm. This complexity is increasing rapidly. Uh, you know, there, these are issues that can't be solved by working alone. We have to work across organizations and across sectors. We have to collaborate, of course, and pretty much everybody knows that we have to collaborate uh, and they think they know how to do that really well. But typically, we're actually really frustrated by the results when we try to collaborate. And uh, often it's because of one of two reasons. Uh, either we're trying to structure the collaboration like we would an organization as a hierarchy with some mm -hmm. central authority guiding the work and with people fitting into specific roles to move it forward. Or we try to plan it all out in advance. We identify specific measurable outcomes for the effort before people have even had a chance to bring their collective understandings together and start to work together and learn in together what needs to be done. And that kind of, you know, predicted control approach only works if we already know what needs to be done and how to do it. But the thing is complex issues, some called wicked problems, they're experienced really differently by different people. People are mm. affected by these issues in different ways. They'll see things really differently depending on where they stand. And so in our work to address complex issues. We can't plan it all out in advance. It's not like a building a bridge from point A to point B where there's a defined beginning and a defined end. Mm -hmm. uh, we, instead, we need to bring different actors together to make sense of the issue and then to strengthen their ability to, to share information and resources to coordinate their work and then collaborate together in ways that affect the whole system. And that's really what it means to build a network for purpose or for impact. To your point out, out of the gate, you know, that's the discipline that you're, you're talking about, right? There, there needs to be organized effort 
across kind of this this network um, that's being facilitated or created for this this purpose, right? There, yeah. that it, it will not work if we don't have have that discipline and some of that structure. That's right. Yeah, many people assume that networks like this maybe spontaneously arise or that people will self organize on their own, but mm-hmm. you know, that's actually pretty rare and it usually only goes so far. Uh, the, the truth is that that leadership always matters. It's just a different form of leadership than the one we see in hierarchical environments. So network leaders, you know, they're not defining rigid structures and rules. They're nurturing this culture of, of connection and learning and, and action and reciprocity. You know, they're not uh, commanding and controlling how the effort's gonna unfold. They're helping people to connect and collaborate. You know, they're not telling people what to do. They're fostering self-organization, supporting people to discover what they can and want to do together. And the interesting thing is network leaders are so often what makes the difference, but usually they're so humble and so quick to share the credit <laughs> that we uh, rarely ever know who they are. And that was one of the big inspirations for, for writing this book and, and for de- developing uh, a documentary that's going to be coming out on February 1st. Oh, wow. uh, uh, you can find that at converge.net. It, it tells the story of six network leaders around the world uh, in their voice, because I want to raise the profile of, of this essential form of leadership, this essential role uh, that really I think is, is critical for supporting groups to come together to find you know, where they align to build relationships, to dig into conflict, where they disagree, uh, and so forth. And, you know, again, it usually doesn't just happen. It needs some kind of catalyst or spark to help it move forward. Yeah. Well, you're speaking of the qualities of great leadership, it sounds like to, to me. And maybe that's a good segue into, I want to talk about what kind of organizations um, should pursue this this kind of idea of, of creating impact networks. Before we get there, talk a little bit about the network mindset. You, you, you write about that in the book, um, but, but what is it? Is it everything you've, you've just said here or is there something m- more to uh, the, the kind of type of leader that's necessary to bring a, an impact network to life? Yeah, once you begin to recognize that we live in this interconnected world, that we, the decisions we make influence each other and, and that we're not each, you know, the sun at the center of a solar system, even though it might feel that way, right? We're one star in this, <laughs> yeah. this constellation of, of different actors and communities. That's, that's the shift is to see that everything is connected, to recognize that, to, to, to shift from a focus of me to we or the individual to the collective, to, to see the world relationally. Uh, and, and for individual organizations, the, the critical shift is to, you know, at times, not always put your own organization and its status and its growth at the center of your focus, but instead, you know, identify what is our mission or our purpose? What is it that we really care about? Let's put that at the center of our focus and then start to think about all the other groups and communities, individuals and other organizations who also intersect with or care about that mission or purpose as well. And building a network is really just strengthening the connections their ability to share information and creating the space and the opportunities for those different folks from across the system to identify ways that we could take action to positively affect all of our work. Mm-hmm. How can we support each other's work, the things we're already doing, and how can we do new things together? That's that's really what it means to build a network. So it's shifting that focus from you know, me as an individual or an organization, always at the center of my focus, to 
putting what is it that we're really trying to achieve and then how can I support the, the growth and the resilience of the entire ecosystem around that shared purpose. Yeah, I love that. That's great. So talk a little bit about the types of organizations that are really well positioned to pursue this. Let me step back. Is it an organization that starts or is it more about the individual who is uh, is passionate about um, pursuing kind of this this opportunity to um, to bring people together and, and kind of tackle a, a purpose together? It is, it's, it's either one, it's both. I've seen both uh, really consistently. Sometimes okay. it's an individual who's, who's working in, in a system and sees the need to, to you know, support greater connectivity and collaboration and, and they bring people together in the first place. But organizations can, can really do this really well and can play a huge role because they often have the resources or they have the connections and they have, you know, they're working intimately in these, in these different systems on these issues. So they, they see who the different actors or communities are and, and they can provide space and opportunity for people to come together and have the conversations that are necessary. So often it is an organization who's, who's playing that catalyst role, who's bringing different groups together for the first time in a deliberate way. Importantly, however, uh, the organization who catalyzes a network, you know, they are supporting again others to to connect and identify what they can and want to do together. They're not dictating exactly how this thing is going to unfold and and exactly what we're going to do. Right? You can't hang on to that much control. Otherwise, you're really stifling the possibility of what might emerge. It's not really collaboration if one person is you know, making all the decisions and, right. and pointing at exactly where we're going to go. Uh, they're creating so, the venue. Is that what you're saying? Like they're, they're creating the venue for for the, the exactly. for people to come together yep. to go off and do this work together. Exactly. And they might and it's also can be really helpful to you know, paint an initial vision. You know, there's there's a purpose of why we're gathering together in the first mm-hmm. place, right? You're mm-hmm. seeing what might be possible, but but you're holding that lightly because then you're allowing the the group as a collective to take and, and craft their own vision, and you become as an organization or as an individual, you know, a part of this network like others, while you're still supporting and 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 holding it, and as you said, creating the, the opportunities for others to. Uh, to connect and learn together, but um, you have to move beyond that hub and spoke stage where you're the the hub at the center of this network and everybody is just connected to each other through you. And Mm -hmm. because uh, that's that's actually uh, really like a hierarchical structure is just visualized differently. Uh, If it's dependent on any one central authority, then it's, uh, it's not resilient in the case where you, your organization, that individual is leaves or is unavailable. We need to, to move beyond that to the stage where individuals and organizations are connecting directly with one another, not dependent on that, that central figure. But I do want to say again, yeah. just to double down, organizations can play a huge role in supporting these networks. There are a number of organizations who forming and supporting a network and playing that uh, that facilitator role is one of their programs. It's really a key part of what the organization does. Uh, sometimes these are nonprofit organizations, sometimes they're, they're foundations, sometimes they're private organizations. Uh, whoever it is, it, it can really be a, a great way for individual organizations to really increase the, the scope of their impact by supporting a network that can really go beyond the walls of, of what they typically do. 
That's fantastic. One of my takeaways is like you need resources to to build an impact network. And to your point, businesses are able to to provide those resources. It's it's, it's back to, to everything that you're writing about, though. It's you have to bring the right mindset. You have to have the right type of leadership, and you have to have that that shared purpose. Mm-hmm. So, talk a little bit about you know what it takes to actually make an impact uh, mm-hmm. network work. So, you talk about this idea of kind of true transformation. Can you can break that down a little bit? What does it take for, um, for, for transformation to actually occur? There's really five core activities that keep showing up time and time again in, in all the successful impact networks we've seen. The first is clarifying purpose and principles. So okay. why, why does this exist? What is our purpose? You know, what is our, our collective vision for the future? And again, that can evolve over time, uh, but it's what brings people together in the first place. And then principles are, how are we going to act and make decisions together? What mm-hmm. are the, the values that we hold collectively? But even more than that, how, do, how are we going to operationalize those values? How are we going to put those values into practice? Uh, that's what principles are. Principles surround the purpose. They create guidelines for how the group will make collective decisions together. So that's the first, uh, clarifying purpose and principles. The second is convening the people, as you alluded to. We need to create opportunities for people to become connected. That might be virtually, in person, individually, or all at once in convenings that bring the whole network together. That that act of convening is a really important part of what makes these works that keeps showing up again and again. And then as people are brought together, the next focus is to cultivate trust. Uh, and that means taking the time to understand what each other cares about and needs to build real human connection so that we can have the honest conversations that are necessary. And importantly, we, we build trust not so that we like each other mm. or that we agree with each other. It's really important to be able to, to disagree and to have generative conflict. We build trust so that we are able to hold the tension through the inevitable disagreements and conflicts we'll face. And so we can hang in there long enough until we can find that slice of common ground where we can work together, or at least have a greater understanding of each other's perspectives. Fourth is coordinating actions. So that's what is already happening? What are we already doing? Let's have a better understanding of what each other uh, and what each organization is already working on. We can find ways to support each other's work. We can reduce unnecessary duplication. We can better make sure that our efforts are building on one another and mutually reinforcing. You know, we're gathering the learnings of what's happening and feeding that back into the work that we're doing. That's coordinating actions. And then fifth, collaborating for systems change. So in addition to coordinating the things we're already doing, we can also collaborate in new ways to create change that affects the whole system. And that requires making collective sense of what's happening from many different perspectives, bringing our pieces of the puzzle together to see the big picture, taking action on particular points of leverage where a small shift in one thing might produce big changes in everything, to quote Danella Meadows. Uh, and and beginning to then organizing with some degree of structure to support that. And, and that really speaks to um, two more things that, mm-hmm. that show up again and again. One is network leadership, which we talked about. Right. Uh, and the second is some degree of structure. Uh, you can think of Impact Networks sort of like a combination of a community and an organization. You know, the community, they have a shared vision and trust, relationships, conversations. 
uh, and values. The organization is we have a specific aim. We have some degree of structure to support mm-hmm. our ability to uh, make decisions together, to form teams. Uh, where are we going to communicate? Uh, what are our uh, processes for uh, generating and or gathering and distributing resources? Uh, the key here is that networks only need minimum viable structure, mm. just just enough to provide support, kind of like a trellis in a garden. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the trellis is not dictating exactly how the plants are going to grow, but it's providing right. the scaffolding to support the plants as they do grow. Uh, so just enough to provide support, but not too much to stifle the emergence and creativity that can emerge. Fair enough. Yeah, because you're talking about you know change over time and that, that discipline that we've we've touched on a couple times. That organization is really necessary to to drive change over time. So it, it makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. Thanks for breaking that down. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple more questions before I let you go here. So for somebody who is interested in starting an impact network or kind of making the pitch to, to their organization, you know, what are some words of advice that you would give them? Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I want to make sure everybody takes away is uh, that it's all about relationships. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's what makes it all work. You know, as again, networks are just webs of relationships, connecting people or things. So fundamentally networks are only as strong as the connections that tie them together. So if at any point you're unsure about how to proceed, invest in those relationships, seek that ROR, return on relationships, mm-hmm. uh, try to identify the, the different groups, individuals out there who, who also care about a similar issue and begin to have conversations with them, understand what they care about and what they need and, uh, and, and really see it from their perspective. Uh, the, the second is, is to start to create spaces for others to discover what they can and want to do together. And again, it's it's holding that vision lightly, uh, but mm-hmm. it's really creating the the opportunities for, for other people uh, to, to connect and learn and, and, and take action. And, um, and often, you know, you'll find that uh, it, it's a blend of self-interest and shared interest, right? It's, it's not enough for uh, people to only focus on the shared interest that brings us together, although that's often uh, the first thing that comes to mind, but you know, that, that altruistic commitment is, it's usually not enough to sustain that commitment. Uh, we, we need to really be honest about our self-interests as well. You know, what do we really need to get out of this effort to make it work for us and our organization? Uh, what do we need to, to get to, to be able to justify the time we're committing to this? It's really being honest about you know, what do you need uh, and, and identifying that's a, a really a very important and real part of this. And we can build networks that, that serve not only our shared interests, but also that are really uh, generating value for the individuals and organizations who are part of it. That's great. And what that speaks to uh, for me is like, there's, there's just a commitment that's necessary and it's a, a longer term commitment. You're, you're running a marathon more than a sprint and you need to understand why, why you're pursuing it. Right. Yep. Very good. Well, Final question. I end on this with every guest. The name of the podcast is Value Builders, and I like to get everyone's take on what it means to be a value builder. So in the context of impact networks and just your work in general, what do you, what do you, uh, how do you define a a value builder? Mm. Well, my personal mission in life is to catalyze others to make their greatest contribution. 
So the first thing that came to mind when I heard value builders was, was that, and was you know, how can we create value for, for others to do the work that they are here to do and that they care about. Uh, and, and for me, that's, uh, you know, that's being, that's being humble. That's creating these spaces and opportunities for people to, to have conversations they don't normally have with people they don't normally have them with. Uh, and and finding those opportunities where we can immediately support each other's work, like going one step further than just the you know, the often surface level type conversations and connections that we make uh, in our social networks, and going a step further to really deliberately build build deeper connections between folks and and have more honest conversations than we typically have, and and really get into uh, the the values that we hold and and what we really care about. And I think from that. Uh, we'll find that there are so many ways that we can support each other as individuals uh, and in our work. Uh, there are so many ways that organizations can support each other uh, and begin to work together in ways that really serve each other's self-interest, uh, but also you know, achieve something uh, that couldn't be done alone. Uh, so when I think of value builders, I think of uh, you know putting, again, uh, not thinking of yourself as the sun in the middle of the solar system, but recognizing that we're part of these large and diverse constellations and, and how can we uh, strengthen the connections and the flows of information and resources that create much healthier ecosystems uh, for everybody. Excellent. Well, your work is inspiring and congratulations on the book. I highly recommend it. It's, it's something that, uh, kind of motivated me kind of within our, our work to, to think a little differently about how we can, we can pursue um, the interests of the greater good. So uh, best of luck to you. And thank you for joining me for the discussion today. Thank you so much. It was fun.